Hi, this is Judy with this week's podcast. And um, this week we're going to talk about a topic which um, somebody emailed me about. I had uh, talked with a mom a while ago about sleep issues, and she emailed me this week about some issues she's having with her two-year-old about discipline. And could I help her? And I said, thanks for giving me my topic for this week. And um, so today we're going to talk about discipline with two-year-olds. And I'm here with um, my magical marketing guy, Anthony, who's going to ask me questions. And uh, hopefully that his questions will be like your questions and we'll get you some great advice. Yeah. I'm um, I'm not up to speed on discipline for two-year-olds <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Judy is. So hopefully you're going to have some good answers as well. Um, when you got the email about discipline, uh, when you told me about that idea, the mm -hmm. first thing that came to mind was spare the rod, spoil the child, or you know, using a wooden ruler or some kind of old school kind of discipline. Is that kind of what this is all about? Well, it's about <laughs> it used to be what it's all about, and some people actually still see discipline in that context. Um, but I think a really good place to start is to look at the word discipline and what it actually means and where it comes from. And the core of the word discipline is disciple which basically means, and if you think of like the, you know, a, a discipline of art or music, um, okay. you know, it's, it's, it's not what we have come to think of it as punishment. So discipline really has nothing to do with punishment, but we've, we've made that association in our minds. And it's, it's how many children are raised with that concept and not as schools still work on that principle and our justice system works on that principle. Um, but discipline, the root of it is really disciple, which means that you are the teacher of your child. So just moving away from the concept of punishment to the concept of being your child's teacher makes a very different way, different perception of what discipline is about. And the other thing is that, that people tend to see discipline as something separate from the rest of their parenting responsibilities. And actually discipline is just part of all the rest of their parenting, which means, of course, from my perspective, that it's part of the closeness, the connection, the attachment that you have to your child and that it's not like I'm going to be, to you know, close and attached and all that. But when the child misbehaves, I'm going to switch in this totally different persona and become the big powerful ruler. With a ruler. With a ruler. <laughs> yeah. Um, so w when you say discipline is more about teaching, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, the, the, the idea or uh, whatever it is that, you know, yeah, I'm going to teach you a lesson, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you smart or something. Maybe that's where. Uh, I guess the intention behind physical discipline actually came into being, but I don't think it actually does anything that way, does it? No, in, in fact, it's totally contrary. And, and that kind of discipline, I mean, there's so much research now. It's like you can't even argue it anymore. There is so much research now that that kind of discipline really backfires and that the kids who are disciplined physically or by shaming or by blaming or by being put down or being criticized for who they are actually turn out more undisciplined. I mean, they, they have worse behavior. They're harder to control and they get into way more trouble and have very low self-esteem and wow. have much higher levels of violence and aggression, which makes sense because if you think of any human being, if you do something and somebody just dumps on you, like if you're at work and you have somebody just dumping on you and telling you that you're ineffective and you're, you're bad and you're all these things that you, you don't feel like, oh, wow, thanks so much for telling me that. I'm going to really change now. No, you're in a process is you're furious, you're hurt, you're ashamed, you're embarrassed. You just feel nothing but hostility and awful about yourself. And then you go and tell everybody how horrible the, your boss is or your coworkers or whatever. Now, kids can't do that. Of course, they just 
suffer with it and internalize what you've just said to them. And it makes them feel awful about themselves. And then kids who feel awful about themselves are awful to other people. So it's pretty straightforward. Is discipline across the board always a bad thing? Or is there ever a time and a place for it? Discipline, again, I'm going to go back to discipline as teaching is always required. Like t children need to learn how to be in the world. Okay, sorry. But okay. as I, I guess I should have said it clearly, discipline as the old school um I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to spank your bottom kind of discipline. Never has a place. Okay. Never ever has a place. Sometimes, you know, when if you if your kid runs into the road, sometimes you're so freaked out and distressed and frightened that you may just, you know, just out of fear, give mm -hmm. your kid a whack, of, you know, across the bottom. And sometimes that just happens because basically because you're terrified. Yeah. Um. But most of the time, when people spank, they're not terrified. They're just pissed off. Mm. Or they feel disrespected or like something inside of them and their own feelings about themselves is triggered if their child talks back to them or says no to them or doesn't listen to them. Like they feel diminished probably because they were diminished when yeah. they talked back to somebody. So it triggers a lot of old stuff. Well, I was going to say that I'm sure that that, um, I mean, that's not something that people do just because they do it. It's something because that's how they experienced it. Absolutely. You know, they learned at a young age that that's how things were dealt with. Yeah. Um, which, as you're describing it, isn't a good way to deal with things both for yourself as the person, as the adult, and mm -hmm. as the child receiving it. Yeah. So what happens oftentimes then is that when people were raised like that, you know, with, with spanking and shaming and punishment, they can say, I don't want a parent like that. Um, I don't want my, I don't want to have that kind of relationship with my child. And so sometimes they'll just go in the complete opposite direction where, where they, they, they relinquish their responsibility as their child's teacher. And a teacher is a guide. There's somebody who provides a child with a pathway to how to be in the world. And they're so afraid of, of giving their child any direction or saying, you know, when, when you do that, that hurts somebody or, you know, we want to, we don't want things to break in our house. So I'm going to, we're going to move over here or I'm going to put this away because it's hard for you to use it right now because I don't want it to break. That's giving children a context of why you want them to behave a certain way. And the context that you want to give them is how are you supposed to be in the world as a caring, responsible, um, person who respects other people's needs and emotions. And you have compassion and you have care. And how do you get there? What's the trajectory from being a very totally self-centered two-year-old, one-year-old to that path of being a, an adult who is compassionate, who can see other people's points of view, who has good self-control, who has the capacity to work, to be responsible, to raise a family? How do you get there? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and if you have that perspective that what you're trying to do in, quote, disciplining your child is you're trying to give them the skills to live in the world. When they're two, and I'll read you some characteristics of two-year-olds, they're completely out of control of their emotions and their behavior. And you're there to help them gain inner control. And you need to give them really clear guidelines of how do you, how do you behave? How do you handle those extreme feelings? What do you do when you're about to do something that's going to hurt somebody? How do you handle that situation? It's always like, what can I as a grown-up person offer to you to help you, somebody who I love so, so much, how can I give you the skills you need that will eventually lead to you being a really self-appreciating, self-valuing adult? Who, Because if you self-value and you self-love, 
you're able to value other people mm, as well. well. So I guess the, the idea that's forming in my mind, um, physical discipline, if mm-hmm. I can use that word still, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, physical discipline um, doesn't work. Neither does the total hands-off, oh, yeah, be yeah, free, yeah. go do what you want kind of, right. you know, uh, <clears throat> loose, loose parenting kind of thing. So that there's actually some sort of framework. Is that the right way to say it? You could say it. There's a fr- there, absolutely there's a framework, you know, and, and the framework is, a, what developmental level is your child at and what is, what is your child capable of hmm. at a specific age? So that if you're trying to teach them something about how to be in the world, it has to, absolutely has to be respectful of where they are developmentally. Like for a toddler who's just learning to walk and wants to explore everything, the framework, you, you, if there's something that's dangerous or whatever, the framework is you redirect them to something else because you can tell them that her, that's hot, that's going to be, they don't get it, right? But it's very easy to just direct them to something else that's a positive. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that happens so often in parenting that because we're frustrated and we're stressed out and all that, so much of our interaction is telling kids what not to do. Okay, so if you're going to tell a child what not to do, what they really need to know is what what should I do? Okay, you don't want me to do that. What should I do? How am I supposed to be? Um, so, you know, keeping that in mind that you're, you're giving all the time, you're giving children a context of what are you supposed to do? You know, so if you're not supposed to touch that when they're little and they're toddlers, like put it out of reach because they have no inner control to stop themselves. You know, and parents will say, he knows he's not supposed to touch it. And he goes to it and he looks at me like he knows and he'll touch it anyway. And I'll go, right, because his... So his need to touch that thing is way greater than his self-control. So it's almost like something in that little being's brain is actually trying to develop and make the connection between uh, my hand and whatever it is that I want to touch. Right. And that is, you know, maybe some sort of biological, physiological thing Absolutely. that drives the child Absolutely. more. But they also, he'll look at you because there's that connection and he kind of knows that something's not right here, but I'm really not sure what, but I really need to touch that. Hmm. You know, and the easiest thing to do is just go over, move your child to someplace else. Or something. Here, you could, you know, that, I don't want you to have that right now, but here, you can have this. Let's play with this. So the child's motivations for doing stuff um, are sometimes, oh, how do I say that? You know, sometimes uh, I'll see cats do things, mm-hmm. and I know they're doing it just to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> You may be projecting there, Anthony. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Is it right. is is a parent projecting what a, what a child is doing? Absolutely. You know, they'll they'll say if it, if a two year old says no, they're sh- they they insist that this two year old is saying no just to piss them off. Well, they actually don't want to piss you off, but they do want to say no, and they need to say no. And one of the things that happens in toddlerhood and with two year olds. Is there, it has many different names for it. One is it's, it's the development of autonomy. Hmm. And autonomy means you're a separate person with your own will and desires and points of view and wants and likes and dislikes. And it's really, really, really important that children develop that, especially in a society like we live in. We live in a democratic society where you need to be able to have an opinion and state your opinion and think for yourself. So it's a, it's, it's innate. It's, Genetic. It's like every child all over the world develops that need for autonomy somewhere between 18 months to two years. You know, it was recognized, um, well, it's recognized, if you go back thousands of years, you see people talking about it. But, you know, in, in the more recent psychological literature, there was, you know, Eric Erickson talked about the stage of toddlerhood as the, the stage of autonomy versus shame and doubt. 
that if you're not given a sense of autonomy, you just be, you develop at a very early age a sense of shame about your own inner impulses and a shame about your own point of view and just a shame about yourself and you doubt your self-value. It's very, very early in life that that settles in. So what it means is that when that autonomy shows up, it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. A lot of times, <laughs> you know, you ask a, t- a, t- a child if they want to do something and they'll shake their head yes but say no. Or they'll shake their head no and say yes. But it's like, I am here and I'm separate and I have a point of view and I need to express it in some way. And it's it's challenging for parents, but I, can I diverge for a minute? Or digress sure. for a minute? I just want to read this little list of characteristics of toddlers well, and two-year-olds, if I could. Before, yeah. you, before you get to that, yeah. um, just so I can get it clear in my own mind, and hopefully for that of the listener as well, it sounds like, as a parent, I need to be aware that everything that this toddler is doing is a factor of growth, a factor of development. It's so it's so uh, critical for that child's um, well-being and growth and maturity to be able to do the stuff that it's doing, and that it's doing it because it's growing, and not because it's uh, trying to get my goat. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's very well put. <laughs> okay. Okay. You really did get it. It okay. is. Yeah. There are, there are all these internal and innate genetic behaviors that emerge as part of the maturation process. And sometimes they're really difficult to live with, mm-hmm. but they do have to happen. There's another word for it. It's called individuation. And some call it, people call it counter will. Um, that it's, it's a critical thing for humans to be able to say no. You know, it's like no means no. It's like, Children have to learn at an early age that it's okay to object. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're going to get your way necessarily, but it's okay to state your point of view. And it's a really healthy thing to yeah. have your own perspective and your own point of view. So it sounds like the child's not the only one growing in the room when that happens. <laughs> it's me, you know, learning to uh, be the guide in mm-hmm. that, as opposed to the uh, the boxer on the other side of the room who's, exactly. who's trying to push that kid. Push that kid down yeah. and, you know. Don't you know, you know, you don't you tell me no. I mean, the kinds of things that, you know, many of us heard. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, it's okay if they say no. It doesn't mean you have to do it. And I can see you really don't want to do this right now, but we, you know, we have to go out of the door. What can I do to help you get out the door faster? You know, I can help you with your jacket or I can help you find your shoes. But, and I'm sorry you don't want to go. I can see you don't want to go, but we need to go. Um, you said you have a list here. Yeah, because it's kind of funny. Okay. In some ways. So sorry, the, the list again is a list okay, of... This is a list of, of typical characteristics of, of toddlers and two-year-olds. Okay. And I, it's, I'm not going to read the whole list because it's quite long, but just to give you a sense of what is normal for a two-year-old. I, I, I think you know I taught two-year-old preschool for many years, and I absolutely loved it because they're so delightful and they're so wonderful, and they can be so frustrating at the same time, but it's a very magical age. It's that age, this age of amazing discovery and growth and... It's hard to keep that in mind sometimes when you're dealing with these other aspects of being that age. So I'm just going to read a few of them. This is a couple of things about 18 months old. But this is from um, way back, well, I think it was in the 40s. Um, there was a psychologist named Arnold Giselle who studied thousands and thousands and thousands of children and developed what we now call ages and stages. And they sort of became, you know, he was the first one to actually do that. Like, this is what happens when a child's 18 months old. This is what happens when they're two or two and a half or three. And so, sorry, when did that come out? I think he did his work in the 40s or 50s. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember. Um, and, it, you know, a lot of it is very accurate. It's, it, in some ways, it reflects the times. Um, 
but it's still, it's just interesting to hear it because, so I'll just read some of it. Sure. Okay. So some, some aspects of, uh, 18 months old, 18 month olds does the opposite of most instructions given by a parent. Seldom obeys any verbal command. Uses no as chief word. Is not motivated by words. Is not able to wait. Now is the time that is most important. Cannot stand frustration. Constantly seems to find ways to frustrate self. Treats people like objects. Will step on, push, hit others, including babies, without remorse. Has no concept of sharing. Um, is very limited in what he understands, even though he can now use words to some extent. Is extremely immature emotionally. Has boundless energy and needs many outlets, especially stair climbing, it seems. Can be distracted or lured away from a forbidden object or activity. That's what I was talking about before, is just redirecting. Um, so that's normal. So it's totally normal for, sorry, 18 months This old? is an 18 to 2. Okay. Yes, 18 to 2 So for old. a toddler to be in a place of, uh, from my perspective, mm -hmm. de defiance, mm -hmm. because that's giving them some sort of uh, stability, some sort of solidness in themselves mm -hmm. around what it is they like and what they don't like. Yeah. They need to know. They need to be able to figure that kind of thing out. They need to figure their, and they need to feel their own inner sense of self. And, and, you know, I, for people who've read, you know, Gordon Newfeld's book, he talks a lot about kids being overly dependent on peers and not being able to say no to their peers, you know, or, or people who, kids who will go off with strangers because they don't know how to say no and they weren't given opportunity to, to experience their own inner self. So it has repercussions. You know, and, and, it, you know, it's not the, it's not the healthy, um, emotionally healthy kids who feel really clear about themselves and have been allowed to express their point of view and be who they are, who go join gangs. You know, it just, <laughs> it just doesn't happen like that. Yeah, sure. Um, and just a couple of little about two year olds. Um, you've got more on your list. Yeah. We got, and just getting into two, this is two and a half year olds in a difficult phase can be rigid and inflexible, has almost no patient once what he wants when he wants it, cannot adapt, give in or wait a little longer. And this is an important one demands that everything be in its proper place to him. Like two year olds want things where they're supposed to be. And if you're reading a book to a two year old and you change a word, they get really upset. Hmm. about it and they want their routines to be followed rigidly and if you change something they get really upset um i can hear everyone in the background thinking i don't know how many times i've read this story yeah right again right, and, right, again, right. And, again. and if you change it it's not good yeah. um they say it's an age of extreme opposites they have a really hard time making a choice between things and they want two two things that are completely contradictory at the same time like, I want to put my own shoes on, but I want to go out right now, but he can't put his shoes on or she can't put her shoes on, but she insists on putting her shoes on because she really wants to go out, but she won't let you put the shoes on because she wants to do it herself, but she really wants to go out right now. But anyway, it's just this, they get the, in these binds that are really difficult. As, as, you, as you describe that, I have this sense of relief <laughs> <laughs> that, um, I don't know, maybe the development of this little creature in front of me uh, is normal and understanding that the, their process and how they do things and how insane it seems from my, mm -hmm. my perspective as mm -hmm. an adult, um, I can let down my guard a little bit and let, yes. the, and let them be the little crazy person that they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's important for them to actually mm -hmm. grow up to be normal. Yeah. If, if I can even say that. Yeah. But I mean, for them to actually get a sense of, um, self-confidence or self-understanding or uh, self-love even. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and again, it's not allowing them to smash things and break things, 
but it's just when they when they're in these stages of negativity is not to distance yourself and move away from them and tell them that they're bad for feeling like that but to move closer and always 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 connect always connect because you're their teacher you're their guide you're the person who cares about them the most so you want to help them through these times give them support through these times not banish them to another room or send them away or tell them they're bad or any of that kind of stuff. You want to help them through these times, even though it's very, very frustrating. And sometimes you just throw up your hands because you don't know what the heck to do because they want two things that are contrary at the same time or, or you're tired or whatever. You know, the more you can integrate them into your life, like if you're cooking, you know, get them a chair and let them wash things in the sink with you. Give them choices, like put two pairs of socks out. Which, which sock do you want to choose today? Just, work with their desire for some kind of autonomy and some kind of choice in their world so that they feel that they have that capacity inside them. And just try to maintain your cool and just, they're not trying to bug you. That it's a, They love you more than anything. They need you more than anything. They want you to help them get through this intensity of feeling. Mm-hmm. There's, they're this little growing person. Mm-hmm. Um, not just physically. I mean, there's, there's, there's aspects to their personality. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this out loud in, in hopes that you'll correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to understand it. Um, that if they're, if they're, if they're doing all these things, it's for their own development and for their own, um, um, sense of being. And it's, uh, it's, it's not designed to piss me off as the parent. No. I mean, I, I've said that a couple of times. Yeah. And I, I guess like I, I keep having to say it because mm-hmm. it's, it's still a new concept. Yeah, right. You know, so, so if, if one as a parent acts as more the guide, mm-hmm. if I'm guiding, uh, you know, the, the example you said about, um, getting dressed to go out, even mm-hmm. though the child doesn't want to, that sort of thing. How does that manifest as the child gets older? Does that make other developmental stages, um, easier? You're way easier. Where each stage builds on the other one. So if a child develops a sense of autonomy and a sense, a sense of self and feels good about the fact that they have their own perspective, they have their own point of view as they mature and they will mature. They grow, they grow. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time they're three, they're more verbal. They can understand way more. They can have a little bit of reasoning capacity and they don't have to, you know, do that sort of defiance kind of thing as much as when they're when they're two or a toddler or whatever. And I hate using the word defiance. It's just how they express themselves. It's not really about defiance. And each stage that, you know, developmentally and, and any psychologist in the world will say that if you get through these, any of these stages successfully, you then build a healthier and healthier personality over time. And if you don't succeed in, in those stages, you're stuck there. Like if you weren't given a sense of autonomy, you'll be struggling with your sense of autonomy your whole life. And, you know, it's like we talked about before with attachment. Like if you don't get that sense of trust when you're a baby, you're going to have trust issues your whole life. And if you don't have a sense of yourself as a valued separate ind- individual, it's very hard to get that. I mean, you can, you can develop, you can do a lot of personal work. You can do a lot of personal growth or you can do a lot of therapy. You can do a lot of things to develop it, but it's so much nicer if you can help your child get those, um, go through those stages with you on side with them and not in opposition to them. And I would think that as, um, uh as the adult in the room mm-hmm. or as, you know, uh, as the parent that it would make, um, it would just make the whole connection that I have with my child that much more, uh, delicious, you Absolutely. Know, wonderful, Absolutely. Um, you know, because I'm actually working with yes, and acting as a guy yes. as opposed to this, um, prison warden. It's prison warden or the person who's, you know, that you're in opposition to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just meant, you know, somebody who's yeah. sort of controlling and say, do this, do that. Don't do yeah. this, don't do yeah. that. 
Huh. And, and so this is a, a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. Light bulbs are going on all across right. <laughs> North America as, <laughs> as, as people, you know, moms and dads are listening to this. Yeah. Um, but how do they learn how to do that? Like, is there some sort of um, other information that they can read or they can learn about? Like, there's a lot of there. There are a lot of actually really very fine parenting books out there, and and I can attach a bunch um, beneath the podcast. Give a list of books that really help you to parent in this way. Okay. And 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 this is nothing new. I mean, you know, this was when I first started studying child development. We we knew this. This information has been there a long time. Um, it, it comes out in different ways all the time and, and, you know, but it's, it's not new, brand new information that's going to be disproved. In fact, it keeps getting proven more and more. A new book just came out actually, which I haven't read yet called Discipline Without Damage. And it's written by a, um, a neuro, a neuropsychologist. Mm. And, and she's, she puts forth all the research that's been done on how the, that kind of negative punishment discipline actually damages your child's brain. Wow. It's, it's physiologically damaging to your child. Just like allowing infants to cry for hours and hours and hours is damaging to their brain. Right. Um, like it's just, they can prove it now, you know, <laughs> which is, uh, really interesting. So I, it's the next book I want to read. Um, I'm really interested in, in what just, she has to say. It might just be the next podcast. <laughs> might just be the next podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I know I'm not giving people a lot of specifics on, you know, how to do this, as you say. And, and I think, Doing some good reading of really, really good books is very, very helpful. And taking some parenting courses from people who stress connection and attachment um, is a really good idea. And hanging out with people who support you in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and you can get very criticized for parenting for parenting and disciplining in a really loving, supportive way. Um, if you were raised differently, your parents can say you're spoiling them; they're going to turn out to be rotten, whatever. It's hard to resist that sometimes. Um, but choose who you hang out with. Choose who you listen to. Well, and, and I would suggest too that if uh, if somebody really has questions, no different than the, this blog was inspired by an email. Right. Um, I know someone they could talk to. Absolutely. <laughs> Her name's Judy. <laughs> right. No, I'm really happy to talk to parents about this. Um, it's so important. You know, it's in some ways it's because it does get so isolated. Like, well, I'm going to be really loving and connected with my child, but if they do something wrong, whoops, I'm moving over here to the stern, nasty person. Right. You know, and it's way more relaxing. It's so much more fun to see yourself as the teacher and not as the, the punisher. Um, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, I, I mean, I was not a perfect parent by any means, but I had this, this part down pretty well. And I remember I used to go in with, you know, like to a pottery shop or something, you know, with, with my kids when they were really little. And I could see the horrified faces on the storekeepers, you know, horrified expressions on the storekeepers' faces. And I said, it's okay, it's okay. And I just, you know, look at my kids. I'd get down to the level and I'd say, now this is a place where we just use our eyes and we don't touch anything. So just stay close to me and we'll just look at things together. And they never, ever grabbed stuff. I mean, it was just, it was really easy. And I'd say, this is a place where we're going to go where it's important to be really quiet for a while. And then as soon as we're done, you can go outside and you can yell and scream and make as much noise as you want. And we even when they got older, we had something called nana behavior. And <laughs> when they were older and their their um, grandmother came over who was very uptight, <laughs> we had what we called nana behavior. Nana behavior. Nana behavior. Okay. And they knew they had to behave a certain way when Nana was visiting, um, which was, you know, much more formal and much more controlled. And, and, yeah. then, and then as soon as, as Nana... As you left, we just went, Phew. okay, now we can just be ourselves again. <laughs> you know? 
Let their hair down. <laughs> Let their hair down again. Um, but I wonder, can I read a poem? Because I found this really, not a poem, it's just this lovely thing I found. Do we have time to yeah, do that? Yeah, okay. yeah, sure. It's a short little thing that I found in this, again, a very wonderful book called The No-Cry Discipline Solution. Some of you may know The No-Cry Sleep Solution and The No-Cry Potty Training Solution. She wrote one called The No-Cry Discipline Solution. Um, Sorry, who's the author? Uh, the author is Elizabeth Pantley. Okay, we'll yeah. put that in the link we'll too. put that in the link too. Anyway, it's called If I Had My Child to Raise Over Again by Diana Lumens. If I had my child to raise all over again, I'd finger paint more and point the finger less. I'd do less correcting and more connecting. I'd take my eyes off my watch and watch with my eyes. I would care to know less and know to care more. I'd take more hikes and fly more kites. I'd stop playing serious and seriously play. I would run through more fields and gaze at more stars. I'd do more hugging and less tugging. I would be firm less often and affirm much more. I'd build self-esteem first and the house later. I'd teach less about the love of power and more about the power of love. Yeah, I think that's really lovely. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's um, inspiring to see that there are ways or avenues to learn more about this mm -hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Um, and certainly we can offer more links. Uh, oh, for sure, yeah. And details. Mm -hmm. if, if anything... Um, this may have been the first time somebody's ever even heard of this sort of thing. Could be. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty powerful. And for those people who have some sense of this, they might get a little bit more direction on it and a little bit more confidence. Mm -hmm. It sounds like that's mm -hmm. needed too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anything else you want to say about the, the idea of uh, discipline? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so much to say about it. I'm going to say one other little thing. Sure. That a tired, hungry uh, child does not hear very well. <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes children just behave what we call badly because they're tired and they're hungry. Hmm. So always check that they have food in their tummy. <laughs> if their blood sugar is low, they don't behave well. Make sure they got enough gas in the tank to exactly. get, where they're, get where they're going. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great place to, to finish for the okay. day. Uh, it's been a good conversation, Judy. Thanks. And thanks for asking questions. Great questions. If you've enjoyed what you heard on today's podcast, uh, judybanfield.com is coming soon. And that's the place where Judy's going to be sharing more of these types of ideas. We're just redeveloping the blog. Um, if you care to send Judy uh, questions or that sort of thing, you can do that through Facebook, through the Mountain Baby Facebook page, or you can email Judy directly. Judy at mountainbaby.com. Okay, Judy, we'll see you again. Okay, thanks.